and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And, oh, we have to talk about this. We had to talk about it at some point, but I'm really upset we do. What are we talking about, Amy? We're talking about a book that, well, a novel, let's call it its fancy title, um, a <laughs> novel that we had to read during our introduction to literary studies class or whatever mm-hmm. the frick frack it was called. I'm just saying it was like a downhill class. It, like it started <laughs> bad at Frankenstein and just kept going down. So without further ado... This week, we're talking about Willa Cather's My Antonia. We're talking about My Antonia. Okay, I have some facts here. <laughs> so, our dear Wikipedia has the IPA as Antonia. Antonia. Okay. There's a lot of schwas. Okay. You know what a schwa is. I do know, but our audience may not know what a schwa is, so would you care to explain? Well, I was going to let you do it, because you said you had no research. A schwa. <laughs> A schwa is the neutralist vowel. So like vowels are made by putting your tongue in different places in your mouth. So this is like the least kinky of the vowels where you just put your tongue in the middle and it's not doing anything funky. And it's like the lazy sound you make. And it's in most English words where you have more than one syllable. And the unstressed syllable will be a schwa like uh, Antonia. So in the book, there's a footnote on the first page, which is really page nine, where Willa Cather explains the Bohemian name Antonia is strongly accented on the first syllable, like the English name Anthony. And the I is, of course, given the sound of a long E. The name is pronounced Antonia. So she's wrong anyways. So we're both wrong. If that's the pronunciation. Have you found a Czech pronunciation for it? Because the name is Czech. Well, it's Bohemian, which is now part of the Czech Republic, but it was Bohemian at the time. I mean, Wikipedia says it's a Czech name. Sure. So I emphasize the O, you emphasize the E, but apparently the Bohemian version is like Antony from Queer Eye, but with an uh at the end. So Antonia. Okay, I hate all of these. But what do we default to if we're speaking English and we can't pronounce the thing in the original? we default to the English pronunciation, which is Antonia, which is what I'm going to say. Okay, you can say Antonia. (laughs) I'm going to say Antonia. And people can vote in the comments. We don't have comments. I'm going to make a Twitter poll. Okay. And vote for Antonia on the Twitter poll, please. No, you're going to vote for Antonia. Because it's hard to say. There was also a film adaptation, though, which I would be interested to see how they pronounced it. Ooh, good point. Oh, and it starred Neil Patrick Harris. What? No. Who, for the longest time, I called Neil Patrick Harrison for some weird reason. Neil Patrick Harrison Ford. Uh, shout out to old TV. <laughs> This episode's not going to be good, guys. We're sorry. You can skip ahead. Yeah, so we're going to be covering Willa Cather's uh, novel, which was published in 1918, um, and is considered one of her best work, according to this Wikipedia page. God knows what that means. I would hate to see her worst work. Well, that's the thing. Like, okay, so they call this her first masterpiece. And I'm like, do we have other masterpieces? Like, so I think what happened is our prof in this class, the main prof in this class, who I have stuff to say about later, like I, she redeemed herself today by accident, really praised this book. Yeah. And it was seen as like this great American novel. Okay. Uh, We'll see. We shall see. Okay. Before we start with the summary, I have some content warnings oh yeah so many sorry about this like so many so we've got a content warning for in quotation marks suicide i have stuff to say about that we've got a content warning for murder we've got a content warning for attempted rape i think that's all of them um young pregnancies we've got a content warning for young pregnancy also a content warning for us 
mispronouncing a name and it's not our fault. We don't know how to pronounce it. It's Amy's fault. It's not my fault. It's her fault. Not Antonia, but the prof. Because the prof told us how to pronounce it on like the last day of class. Good time. So this isn't even going to be an episode. It's just going to be me and Amy fighting over how to pronounce Antonia. If we ever get to the book, it'll be something. But right now, it is nothing. (laughs) Because this book is a time. And I wrote an entire essay about the realism in this book. And it made me angry. So you're in for a hoot. This book is nothing. It's nothing. Okay, let me give you my little summary. It's going to be pretty short because nothing happens. I mean, okay, no, that's not fair. A lot happens, but it doesn't have a plot, though. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. (laughs) So our main character, Jim, is orphaned, and he moves to Nebraska to live with his grandparents. Shout out to Nebraska. Okay. (laughs) Have you ever been to Nebraska? No, I've only been to New York. He meets on the train a family, and there's a girl his age named Antonia. Well, she's four years older than him. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. His age-ish. And they become fast friends, and then they spend some time just exploring the countryside, and nothing happens. And then <laughs> Antonia's dad, Mr. Shimerda, dies. We'll expand. How does he die, you ask? That's a good question, audience. Dear listener, he dies of an axe wound in his face. He is found with a gun in his hand. There's an axe across the room that belongs to someone who has been fighting with him and everyone labels it a suicide. I have some stuff to say about that from 2013, Amy, and also from today, Amy, who reread some passages and might understand things. We'll talk about it. Okay. So the Shemertas are obviously having a hard time because they just lost their dad slash husband slash breadwinner because 1918 yeah and uh, yeah and rural who the fuck goes to nebraska no offense nebraska that's i feel like that's gonna be taken as full offense nebraska (laughs) i see okay so i've never been to nebraska but nebraska feels like saskatchewan and i've been to saskatchewan and it's flat you're right nebraska is american saskatchewan yes so in french there's the word plat which is kind of like what boring means and the word pleu which is kind of like a homophone type thing, homonym thing. It's a homonym if you're not speaking that dialect of French. Oh yeah, so they're technically homonyms, but it just means flat. So when I say like it's plat, like it's both like flat and also boring. Very nice. I love you Saskatchewan, but if I don't have to live in you, I'll be happier. <laughs> At least I say that it exists now. For the longest time, I didn't believe that Saskatchewan existed. I was like anything like west of Ontario and then like, you know, the side of the Rockies, not real. Okay. I like, have a lot of conspiracy theories. One of them was Saskatchewan and Manitoba weren't real. I feel like you're kind of the person who believes Australia doesn't exist. No, Australia is very, very real. It's always on fire. Okay. It's where I send the bad spiders. Anyway, so Mr. Shimerda's dead. Yes. So Jim's family, the Burdens, are like trying to help them out. But then Jim and Antonia are like basically no longer on the same social level and they grow apart but it's because Jim's like they're like charity cases so he basically stops being friends with her in the hardest part of her life so far to be fair she's also like an immigrant young woman child girl person so it's saying a lot to say it's the hardest part of her life so far yeah also her name is Antonia um it's not but okay And then later, Antonia becomes a housekeeper for this family called the Harlings. And we get some class struggle of like there's rich people in town. And then there's a lot of immigrants who are hired as the help. 
and like the rural girls are treated very different. A few years pass and Jim meets back up with her in their teen years when a dancing pavilion comes to town and he starts spending time with her again to dance. And he also starts spending time with the other quote hired girls um, who come to town for work. So they've got some shenanigans. Jim graduates. He goes to Lincoln. And before leaving, he goes to the country with Antonia and her friends and they just reminisce about old times they're always reminiscing well they have nothing else to do they live in like prairie land yeah they're like remember when we were young and we didn't think this was boring remember when we used to eat hay (laughs) that's what i imagine it's like to be like a hay farmer like you know because they always put that little piece of green in their mouths i don't know if it's actually hay but you know the, the thing they put in their mouths i do you can eat it it's a clothing piece in animal crossing yes Yes, it is. And like I walked around with it in my mouth when I was a kid, but I was mostly like pretending to be a farmer when I was doing it. (laughs) So I imagine it's just a farming thing. Again, I'm really like I'm insulting a lot of people today. Sorry. You are. Yeah, it's not like you're urban. You are also rural. You're just like small town rural instead of country rural. I'm like logging rural, not like farming rural. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Twin Peaks, you know, not a whatever happens in corner gas. So Nebraska's not allowed to be offended. See, I can't say this stuff because I'm suburban. Yeah, I get a hall pass. You don't. Yeah. So Jim goes to Lincoln. He's a good student. And then he starts dating one of their mutual friends who was also an immigrant. Her name is Lena. And then he's like, sure, it's not pronounced Lina. I'm just being facetious now. (laughs) I will literally fight you. I will literally fly to you. I will throw down and I will fly back. Okay, but are you going to meet my dog at the same time? Because I'm sure she would love to meet you. Yes, but she'll probably not like me if I'm throwing down with you. Eh, she'll adapt. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, I'm too distracted by dalliances. I'll transfer to Harvard. Yeah, let's just transfer to fucking Harvard, you piece of... Ugh. (laughs) fine i hate most people who just like i'm just gonna try to Harvard. like you know how fucking hard i worked for the grades that i needed to go to school yeah. and then i didn't even go to the best school i could have gone to for my master's but it was also like 1890 or whatever so i'm mm-hmm. guessing it wasn't the same vibe well it was always an old boys club so i guess he fits right in yeah meanwhile antonia got engaged to a boy she moved to denver but then he left her right before the wedding and she came back and she was pregnant and then she had her daughter and she's raising her on the farm with her brother and when Jim comes back he finds out that all this has happened not to come back to live but to come back to visit his grandparents before going to law school because he's a big fancy rich person now yeah can I just interject with something here Mm -hmm. I'm guessing people from Nebraska probably like listen to the story and like hear that she went to fucking Denver Colorado and they're like yeah that's what you get for going to Colorado you know like I'm feeling like maybe like the plains people probably look up at the mountains and are like "Mm." you know like people in like Saskatchewan probably feel about it Alberta. I think maybe you're projecting <laughs> per chance. I think maybe right now we're going through an election and that's all I'm going to say about it but I think I'm having a lot of like conflicting ideas between provinces right now and like I don't know where I want to live so I'm really confused and it's all I think about um so I'm projecting a lot. I think you probably want to live in Saskatchewan. Gosh no I'm sorry but like you guys just don't have features it doesn't have a face it's just slender man well you know it has hills and it has somebody from saskatchewan is going to correct me on this it has hills it has lakes and it has a lot of grain and that's really cool but also like it's just you know it's there and i just mm. there's not enough 
it's too landlocked i guess okay to be fair i feel the same way about alberta and manitoba you're also landlocked but okay no the hudson's bay is right there right that's true okay may i go back to my summary now i guess (laughs) so jim comes back and he sees that she's got a daughter and he's like ah man that sucks i'll come back to visit you and then he leaves for law school and he moves to new york and he doesn't come back for 20 years piece of shit so antonia marries a nice man named cusack he's also from bohemia and they have a big family together and she seems really happy and then jim finally comes back to visit do you think he'll stay i actually don't remember well that's probably for a good reason because the book leaves it ambiguous oh another ambiguous thing he says he'll keep in touch more and then the book ends and spark notes is all like oh yeah he's learned his lesson now and the book's all about nostalgia and he's learned that he can reconcile his past with his present and he will bring her into his present even though she's part of his past and no spark notes incorrect Incorrecto. Incorrecto is what that is. I feel like I've drank seven White Claws and I haven't. He's not learned his lesson. He never learns his lesson. <laughs> and he, he probably never goes back. He probably goes back to New York and then dies. Yeah. I want to apologize to the people of Nebraska and Saskatchewan. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I I don't actually hate the prairies. I think it's very important to have them. I think they're a good part of the economy. Um, and the people that I've met there are always great. Like my favorite webmaster at work was from Saskatchewan, so it's great. But this novel is like a prairie fiction novel and as a Canadian I hate great prairie fiction novels because they're annoying because all they talk about is the wind and grains and nostalgia and it's annoying and it's why I'm projecting my hatred against the prairies. But Amy, who has seen the wind? Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) That's who. Uh, (laughs) Oh, war flashback. Okay, so I have some complaints about the characters. Oh, please. But would you like to complain about the plot before we do that? Yeah. So back in 2013, I wrote an essay for our literary text genres and approaches class um, called The Element of the Past Incorporating Realism in My Antonia and the Reader. Anyways, beside the point, essentially I said, you know, we have dimension of realism. And it was a very terrible thesis. I don't know why you let me submit this. Probably because I had just met you like a month before. (laughs) I got a good grade on it, but like it's not my strongest work. You improved. You had to have room for improvement. Yeah, I mean, I did. I don't have the marked up copy, which is a shame, but it's okay because sometimes you make mistakes and you remember them and then you fix them. So I write, if you haven't read the reader, sorry, I'm about to spoil some stuff. So I talk about Mr. Shimmerda. Mr. Shimurda, and the regrets he suffers from his past actions, such as uprooting his family from their home, and that makes him miserable. Um, Hannah's action in the reader ultimately leads to her death, but unlike Mr. Shimurda, Hannah dies by her own hands. Hannah is very troubled by her past, which is more distant than Mr. Shimurda's. During her trials for war crime, blah blah blah, she shows regret. So here, our professor said that I misinterpreted the death of Mr. Shimmerda and said that it wasn't ambiguous. However, listeners, she was partially right. No, I disagree. So I have the copy in front of me. You people can't see this, but I do. I see it. It's got lots of post-it notes. I wrote an essay about it. Of course, there's lots of post-it notes. So essentially, page 77 of this book, it says, um, Mr. Shimmerda is dead and his family are in great distress. They say that he died. So Jim is like 10 here. So bear in mind that he might be unreliable as a narrator and this is all like 
secondhand accounts that he's hearing about the things because he never actually sees the wound himself. So keep this in mind. So after Jake and Otto had swallowed their first cup of coffee, they began to talk excitedly, disregarding grandmother's warning glances. I held my tongue, but I listened with all ears. No, sir, Fwatch said in an answer to a question from grandfather. Nobody heard the gun go off. Clue number one. Ambrose was out with the ox and then people came back. The oxen was weird. I'm paraphrasing here. And then um, as Ambrose was coming back to bring back the oxen, he got a lantern and went back and found the old man just as we seen him. Then the grandmother's like, oh no, I can't believe this happens. How could he forget himself and bring this upon us? And then Fosh says, I don't think he was out of his head for a minute, Miss Burden. He done everything natural. So essentially this guy like got all dressed and everything. And then he went to the barn and apparently here he would have shot himself. So we have two conflicting things here. We have a guy who says he pulled the trigger with his big toe and shot himself, but nobody heard the gun. It's very convenient. Very convenient. And then the other guy is like, yeah, there was like an axe size hole in his face. Those don't seem conflicting at all. They seem to match up with the exact same conclusion. They really do. But the thing is, they went there and it was dark. So like, yeah, we don't know. The coroner says somewhere the coroner says that it was, of course, it was a suicide kind of thing. Okay. So my original reading of this was obviously it's definitely a murder yeah. and they just didn't want to deal with the fact that there was a murder in this small town by someone that they knew. Yes. However, they afterwards, they give that kid like a lesson or whatever. Like they teach him a lesson hmm. because he's been acting strange. So like it's a lot of small town conspiracy going on here. Yeah. So my original reading was like, like it's definitely a murder. And now I'm thinking, okay, sure. It's ambiguous. We're not sure. But the prof was like, no, you get marked down because it was definitely a suicide, which is not correct. So that's the thing. Like, it's this kid who's listening to these stories. And when he sees them, like, Mr. Shermer does just, like, you know, lying down on his side and, like, his face was covered up. So, like, we can't know from our narrator himself, you know? Yeah. Which whatever if anybody's doing a, like a book report on this or whatever and i'm sorry if you are you can probably say that it was like a suicide and get away with it if you try to pin it as a murder you might not get away with it simply because the internet says if you say it's ambiguous you should get away with it and you should not be marked down yeah because i think there's a good argument to be made here of like these people are others mm -hmm. and instead of trying to figure out why the others after the other kind of thing we're just gonna write it off as suicide because it's convenient convenient yeah we don't have to put resources into a police investigation we just wait for the coroner the coroner's like yep this is you know happens i guess yeah and we all move on with our lives yeah so if you want to read it as a suicide go for it if you want to read it as a murder i'm gonna support you and you can don't cite this podcast in your what unsighted the internet's least reliable english podcast wouldn't be a good source to cite in your english essay is that what you're telling me right now amy that's what i'm saying i'm offended yeah i think mr shimmerda made some mistakes in his life and yes that could have led him to die by suicide however i don't think that was the case in this case yeah, and the suspect for the murder, I don't remember, but it was like another border on the property and they were having a spat about something. Do you recall? It was Peter Krajic. Peter Krajic is a bohemian immigrant and neighbor to the Burdens who sells the Shimmerdas their first farm in America and cheats them out of several comforts. So that's the thing, like he's a grifter first and foremost. So I, I don't trust that he didn't go killing someone to try and get the farm back so he could sell it back to some other people, you know? Yeah, I can see that. Like, 
like Grifter's gonna grift and like if Mr. Shimmerda like confronted him at all or anything. Okay, yes, there is something to be said about the fact that like he got all dressed and got all prim and proper and like put away his good coat and like put away like rolled up his sleeves and all that kind of stuff. So there is something to be said there, I guess. I know that's a common practice um, for people who end their own lives. But it's not like the only possibility. Like he equally could have been going out there to do a number of things. Like he could have been going out there to pray or like just have some privacy. Well, that's the thing. It was the middle of a snowstorm, right? Like a big ass Nebraskan blizzard. I didn't even know snow in Nebraska. But there was like a big blizzard. And if he went to like the barn in the middle of a blizzard, he might have gone to like look at the animals or like go help Ambrose or whatever his name was who was trying to make a road or something. Like there's a lot of other possibilities of things he could have done. Yeah. And I don't think it's outside the realm of the possibilities that he went in there and Krajak fucking killed him. I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he went out there and killed himself fine. However, I will say that I still think it was ambiguous. My essay might have been wrong by not stating the word ambiguous. However, you might have removed that word. Everyone is entitled to their own reading as long as you can back it up and you can back up either of those things. Correct. So that's what I had to say about that. I also think Jim is a little piece of shit. And I think- Oh my God, can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about Jim being a piece of shit. Go for it. Jim is garbage. Jim is garbage. I actually have a note that says Jim is a douche canoe. (laughs) Okay. So Jim is like, he's really tokenistic, I find. He's like, oh, I really like Antonia and the other foreign and non-local girls because they're like interesting and they're eccentric and they're exotic and oh, it's so cool that they're not like the other local girls who are just boring. I agree. But like he doesn't want to give them the support that goes with having a history. Like they're interesting because they've had kind of hard lives and he doesn't want to like put in the effort that goes with that. And he calls them my country girls, which is yucky. Yeah, well, it's also like my Antonia. So we, we can talk about that later. Yeah, that's true. You're right. My my country girls, my Antonia. It's very, it's very icky. It's very possessive. Yeah, and he's very possessive and he doesn't want to like put an equal effort into the friendship. He just wants to get. He wants to possess. He wants to have. He wants to get the friendship. He doesn't want to give the friendship. He's cute. Yes. He's like, oh, you need support after your dad died? Mm, I feel like we're growing apart now all of a sudden. Your fiance left you pregnant just a couple days before your wedding? Mm, You should have kept your legs closed. Should have not gone to Denver. Yeah, like the town is judging you because you have a baby and you're an immigrant? Man, I think I need to go be a fancy lawyer and not visit for 20 years. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about like the my and the my Antonia as in like mine as in my memory of her my memory of our time together my memory memory of this nostalgia but like nostalgia isn't a real remembrance anyways so yeah it's like she is his manic pixie dream girl because nostalgia is longing for an idealized past that never really happened yeah so like if his memory of her is nostalgia he's longing for like his idea of what she was like his starry-eyed vision of her yeah like she says at the end of the book she's like no like i'm really happy here like i was so lonesome in the city i didn't like it like i'm happy on the farm and like he's all like poor antonia you know like he's always (laughs) like he has these ideas of like 
like what you can do better mm-hmm. and all these like like this romanticizing again back to the like bariness of it all like there's this romanticizing of the past oh yeah that's just uh, annoying yeah he's romanticizing his pastoral past yeah but it's it's just a shit down in nebraska <laughs> no offense to nebraska <laughs> but like i think there's something to be said here about how jim imagines these people it feels like he's jerking off to his own past you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah okay uh, i hope yeah. all of y'all know what i'm saying <laughs> But I'll let you go talk back about Jim Burden and how he was a burden on his family. It's funny that you should say that, Amy, because Jim Burden thought he was burdened because he was like, nobody understands me. Not even me. He was like, it's so boring in this town as a teen. And he would like sneak out and go to like dance houses and like kind of strip clubs and stuff. And then his reputation was in question. And he was like, oh, now I can't go to strip clubs. This town's so boring. But he was actually like super privileged. He was in a very privileged position in his town Mm -hmm. and he just like didn't see that at all. He was like, oh, I'm just like these immigrant girls because I like them. So that makes me exactly the same as them, you know? Yeah. He was like, I like them. So I'm on the same level as them because they're my friends. And it's like, but you have so many privileges that you don't see that make you on a completely different playing field than them. Yeah. And you can just, oh, I'm going to transfer in the middle of my degree to and just go to Harvard and just be rich for the rest of my life and he did that that's it was a thing he could do yeah I think Jim clings to this idea that he has of people also yeah and like he doesn't ever move past that I feel like he wants to use people for like his purposes and his memories yeah I find like he holds these memories as if they're fact yeah instead of memories like for him it's like Antonia was like this you know we shared these things and they're like these perfectly preserved little memories but they're not they're rememberings of memories that probably weren't even like that in the first place you know yeah exactly yeah I don't like Jim he does things that are very sketchy like he's one of those oh I'm such a nice guy but like there's one time when he's in high school and they go to a dance and then he tries to kiss Antonia and like the way Sparknotes explained it that I don't remember it happening because I read this book like seven years ago but apparently he tries to go farther than she expects and she has to tell him off and it's like she's your friend can you just be a friend can you be a friend and he won't he won't do that for her he wants her as like this ideal he can hold up and then he wants her as just like like a romantic interest like he wishes he could have sex dreams about her a lot even though he doesn't have them it's just very strange i agree yeah there's a lot of stuff um about i think gender roles in this novel as well like jim you know wants to pursue antonia and like is kind of i know i've been giving up <laughs> and like she kind of like doesn't want this like she friend zones him with reason i think because like he yeah he was quite young when they met you know compared to her like i think there's a lot of difference between like 10 and 14 yeah it's like uh like it is like they're they're still both kids like it it would be yeah like asking a horse to look after your dog but like if you're 10 and you're looking at someone who's 14 that's like an adult and if you're 14 looking at someone who's 10 you're like yeah that's a little child yeah but i think antonia also like deals with a lot of this bullshit from men like from mr cutter and stuff oh my god she's got such a hard like bad times and men treat her terribly constantly and i think jim didn't help yeah so i have like a list of all the things that men did to her by all means 
please let's uh we've bashed the prairies enough let's bash the men now let's do it it's actually like the men and the upper class of the town so it's like there's two circles of privilege working against her right um so she's already an immigrant so she's kind of judged for that they're like oh she's like the other she's like a country girl she's like not someone we need to pay any mind to and then her father is murdered slash maybe kills himself and everyone treats it like a suicide without an investigation or anything because like he's an immigrant they don't want to put any resources into it right Mm -hmm. and then one of the local gross rich men mr cutter he asks her to house it for him and she's like "Mm, i'm getting a weird vibe from this guy jim can you like go in my place and he does and he's woken up in the middle of the night with mr cutter like right next to him yeah creepy as fuck creepy as hell because he said he was going away with his wife he put his wife on the wrong train he drove back to his house he went to the room that he told antonia to stay in thinking he could just have his way with her because she was young and alone and jim has to like beat him off and run home and it's wild yeah it's bananas her fiance leaves her pregnant he's like i don't need to deal with this responsibility anymore and then she like still manages to make a good life for herself she wants a family she wants to be on the farm and and that's what she does she meets someone she loves and she has a big family and she stays on the farm and she has she has the life that she wanted to have yeah and it's kind of like all the immigrant girls get the lives that they want to have and Jim's noticing that they like they work harder because they weren't coddled and they weren't privileged so they have kind of some room to wiggle around in society because they're like not afraid of transgressing the boundaries that the other like wealthier girls yeah the all-american wealthy girls have which is not like it's not a great message is still kind of like oh yeah they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps but also like when this was written the american dream was still kind of a thing it was becoming the main thing yeah you could kind of build the life that you wanted to if you moved to america and even if that life was i want to be wealthy so i want to have a rich husband so that i can be wealthy because i'm a woman and i'm not really allowed to work and become wealthy independently you could do something and like it wasn't great but it was something and i don't know I don't know. Yeah, I... So there's this passage here, like, where Jim talks about how Antonia, like, after she went to live with the Cutters, like, she seemed to care, like, about picnics and parties and having a good time it's like his antonia changed right you know how dare she want to enjoy her teenage years after having to move to a new country set up a whole new life and then deal with her father's passing in the span of like a couple years right how dare she how dare she so i think you know she like this idea of like you know she sees that she can do better for herself and she gets to enjoy this life that everybody else gets to enjoy and jim's like but you're no longer the antonia I knew when I was 10. Hmm. Yeah, it's like he wants her to be suffering. Yeah. He wants her to be like the noble suffering woman. He likes her as a damsel. Yes. Yes. Yes, Amy. And of course, all Disney princesses have dead parents and their death is always kind of ambiguous. So, in conclusion, Antonia is a Disney princess. Yes. That seems fair. Also, this was based on like Willa Cather's actual friend. I don't know how I would feel if I were Willa the Cather's actual friend and I read this book. 
Antonia has it really hard. She does. Is Willa Cather setting herself up as Jim? Because Jim's not likable. No, I think she's like, she knew Antonia kind of thing. Okay. She is their mutual friend that Jim is telling the story to. Yeah, kind of, I think. Interesting. Okay, let me... Let me read this first part of her personal life that we might segue into. Scholars disagree about Cather's sexual identity. Unpack that. Me unpack that now? Sure. Some believe it's impossible or anachronistic to determine whether she had same-sex attraction, while others disagree. If there's ever any ambiguity in an author or historical figure's life where it's like, they might have been queer. I'm like, yeah, they were queer. Researcher Deborah Carlin suggests that denial of Cather being a lesbian is rooted in treating same-sex desire as an insult to Cather and her reputation, rather than a neutral historic perspective. Melissa Humstead has argued that Cather was attracted to Edith Lewis, and in so doing, asked, what kind of evidence is needed to establish this as a lesbian relationship? Photographs of the two of them in bed together? She was an integral part of Cather's life, creatively and personally. Beyond her own relationship with women, Cather's reliance on male character has been used to support the idea of her same-sex attraction. So maybe she was positioning herself at Jim here? Hmm. Hopefully she was better than Jim. But maybe they were just gal pals. Like us. But the novel was based on the events in the life of her childhood friend Annie Sadilek Pavelka. I'm so sorry. <laughs> mm. Cather was also influenced by French Canadian pioneers. It really feels like Canadian prairie fiction, even though it's not Canadian prairie fiction, but maybe just all prairie fiction sounds the same to me. Maybe. Mm. In 1916, Cather made a trip to the Palveca farm. Um, that may have been the inspiration for the final chapters of the novel in which Jim Burden returns to Nebraska to visit Antonia and her family. So. So she is Jim. Maybe she was a bit of a Jim. She is Jim. I don't like that. Neither do I. But Willa Cather doesn't seem like a terrible human being, I think. Who's to say? Who's to say? But she doesn't seem to be like actively terrible. She wrote an entire book about immigrants. In a sympathetic light. Yeah. So um, we're going to put her as probably not problematic. Hopefully she was also criticizing Jim for being tokenistic and she wasn't just being tokenistic. Yeah. I don't feel like the book was being tokenistic. I feel like the book was critical of Jim. I agree. And um, the Wikipedia here says, Cather's time in Nebraska, still considered a frontier state at the time, was a formative experience for her. She was moved by the dramatic environment and weather, the vastness of the prairie, and the various cultures of the immigrant and Native American families in the area. So it seems like she was somewhat of a curious Nelly um, about things and she doesn't come off as terrible about it. So we're going to give her a pass. She does really seem like Jim. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I did not like and I still do not like this book. Don't get me wrong. I'm not giving it any praises. It happened. We read it. We talked about it now. And that's that. That's that. Willa Cather wasn't terrible, so. There is more I want to say about this book, but I want to kind of give you my comparative analysis of this book and Beloved because I think there's a lot of interesting overlap. So next week, we're going to talk about Beloved and then we're going to tie them all together in a third episode in this series. So hold on to your butts. Is that what we're going to do? Yeah. Okay. Whose book was this? Whose choice was this? I believe that was mine. Do you have a rating system for me? Probably, um, <laughs> on a scale of cold, desolate Nebraska winters mm-hmm. to 
peak hay season Nebraska, <laughs> what would you rate this? I would rate this the beginning of a Nebraska spring when all the ice is melting and making all the dead hay smell really weird. Like manure? I assume that's what happens because that's what happens here when the ground melts. But I don't love this book. I do not like it. That's my least favorite time of year. This was not a good book for me. It did not spark joy. I don't even know if I kept it. I might have got rid of it. I seldom get rid of novels. And no, that's a no for me. Yeah. Like, despite the fact that she had a Bachelor of Arts in English like we do, I have to agree with you. I don't think it was my favorite novel. It was easy to write about. Like, I didn't have any problems with writing an essay about it. That was fun. In fact, we both wrote essays about it. Yeah. Um, and it was okay. But the only thing I remembered was this suicide murder thing. Mm. And that I didn't like Jim. And yeah. So catch us next week when we talk about a book I didn't read. Yikes. I would like to shout out a friend of the show. Hello, friend of the pod. Nuzzle House. They're awesome. And they just shouted us out on their episode analyzing Midnight Sun, though they were four beers in. So analyzing might be a stretch. I mean, what do we do? Do we really analyze anything? <laughs> the same quality analysis happens right here on this very show. We're going to need to collab. I would adore that. Check them out. They're really funny. And I've been listening to them a lot. It's probably not just going to be them complaining about the mispronunciation of a word. Probably. Also, they featured my meme, my personal meme that I made, Chantel. <laughs> I'm saying that because they didn't know which one of us did it. So if it's on Twitter, it's Chantel. If it's Instagram, it's me. You can reach us at UnsightedPod. You can also, if you want to contact us directly, email us at UnsightedPodcast at Outlook.com. You can find us on Redbubble. You can get some Amy and Chantel merch. It's just our faces on a t-shirt. False. What else? What else um, do we have going on on the internets? We're here, you know, half of us are queer. <laughs> I don't think we have anything else, honestly. I think like we want to thank you for putting up with our complaining. Uh, this was a lot of complaining. We appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed this. If you've read this novel and have any hot takes or think that we're just like stupid, let us know. Yes, please let us know. But if you're going to tell us we're stupid, please tell us on Instagram so that AB can hear it and not me. Okay, so if you think that we were wrong about our interpretation <laughs> of this book, let us know in emoji we want all your emoji opinions of this book just 500 thumbs downs i'd like to formally apologize to prairie provinces and states sorry <laughs> and also maybe to czech speaking people um because we butchered this name thank you so much for listening to whatever this was and we really hope that you decide to come back in two weeks and as always we're excited unavailable Wait, we need to do a sign-off.